church family. Please come in, have a seat, and we'll get this party started. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a party in Christ. So, all right, guys. So, I want everybody to please take their phone out. I want you to look at the cute picture you have on your phone. That's mine. That's my cute little picture. Since your phone is in your hand, please silence it. So, all right. So, with that photo, that's my dog getting ready to go on a motorcycle ride. Um, so, and as a good little segue, I do want to remind everyone that um, Circuit Riders is having a fundraiser and we're looking for help. It's on June 10th. Please see Wayne and Patty Bridal for that. But Circuit Riders Motorcycle Ministry is based on a series, or not series, but on some Bible verses, which is Mark 16, 15 through 18. And it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes is baptized and will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is the Great Commission. This is why we are here. We are here to preach the word. We are in church because this is our family. We are in church to learn, to grow, and to receive wisdom on God's love, to be able to give that to others, to be able to love all of those around us. So, I'll have everybody stand, please. Lord, today I just ask you to show all of us, each and every one of us, how much you love us, that we may be able to go out into this world, preach the gospel, and show your love to all of those around us. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, oh Lord, how great you are. How great you are to us, Father. We thank you that everything you've given us is good. And Father, you are great. Your salvation is greater than we can ever imagine. And Father, as you unfurl yourself to us, we thank you so much for your greatness. We praise your greatness. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, thank you, Jamie. Those classics just tear me up. Sorry. All right, good morning. Uh, my name is Brian Eager, for those of you who don't know me. Just a quick little teaching on the offering. Um, the last time I was up here teaching, I, I mentioned, you know, we basically believe in three kinds of offerings. We believe in the tithe, the offerings, and the alms. And I spoke a little bit about the tithe, which, you know, preceded the law and, and is our base, and, and it goes to the storehouse where we're fed, usually our local church. Today I'm just going to say a few words about the offering. Um, offerings are above and over our tithe. Uh, there, there are a number of references all over the word about offerings. Uh, the purpose in the Old Covenant was sacrifice and relating to our sin nature for righteousness. It was kind of as an, an atonement kind of thing. Well, well, Jesus provided our atonement. So in the New Covenant, 
Our offerings are for investments into the kingdom by providing for the needs of missions and ministries in the local church and in the greater body of Christ. And I believe that offerings and alms are where the principles of sowing and reaping and seed time and harvest are the most appropriate, right? Because those are where we hear specifically from the Holy Spirit on how we're supposed to give, where we're supposed to give, and then he returns back to us what we've given. And and he will return it to us in, in this lifetime. In um, Luke 6.38, is a scripture we all know, it says, given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, I believe our attitude in giving is much more important than the amount we have to give. God is our, we know that, God is our source for everything that is good, and his grace is activated by faith. And faith is a verb, right? We know that, faith is a verb. And God's, grace is God's provision activated by our faith and action in our giving. We know God doesn't need our money, right? But he desires our trust and our obedience because money is something that's so important to us as individuals. He wants our trust and our obedience in that area. The ministry of the church, however, and related ministries do depend on tithes, offerings, and alms. So that is something that we can do with our faith. We put it out there and we believe for it and God returns it so we can continue to put it out there and believe for it and receive it back. So today we have a a wonderful opportunity for an offering. We have a special speaker, one of my favorite instructors from Karis, Rick McFarland, and we've been so blessed over the last couple of days to have him here for the Karis graduation and for, you know, just openness and in meeting all of us, speaking to us. And, and uh, those of us who are Karis grads or students have been blessed to be able to listen to what God has given him to impart to us as the body of Christ. So we have an offering to, to sow into his ministry. And one of the ways that you can do it is to designate it on your offering. Uh, we don't pass the, the plate here anymore, but we do have a box in the back that looks a lot like the Ark of the Covenant. And we have, you can, envelopes and, and pens back there. You can just put on there Rick or special speaker or, or whatever. Uh, Debbie will get it to, to the right person. If you're giving online at rvcc.info slash donate, you can designate um, to Rick on there. Um, you can bring it into the church office Monday through Thursday, 9 to 3. Uh, we all know the routine, and I do believe, yep, it's up on the screen. Thank you, folks. So with that, I'm going to finish this up and, and get to the, the real deal here. Father God, we do thank you for this day. Father, we thank you that it's a day that you've given us. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we thank you for the greenness, even if we don't have the heat. We thank you for all the trees budding and the grass growing. And and Father, we do thank you for bringing us all here safely. We thank you for this day. We ask your blessing on each giver and on each gift, knowing that you will provide in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, sir. Thank you, Brian. Praise the Lord. Well, 
For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor John Neitzel. I'm the senior pastor here. For those of you who have forgotten, I'm Pastor John Neitzel. <laughs> so glad to see everybody here today. We have had a, a, an exciting weekend. Uh, we've had the Karis graduation here yesterday, and we had uh, six of our own graduate. Could I have those six stand? Uh, any, those of you who graduated? Yes! Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, now we're going to have each of you come up and preach for 10 minutes. Uh, ready, that whole verse, ready in season and out. Right, yeah. uh, Shiloh is back uh, working with the children, so he, would, he was the sixth, if you count, that we're counting. But it's so excited to, exciting to be a part of what God's doing in this day and age here in the valley, here in, in the world. But we praise God for this relationship with Karis. Uh, Peter graduated, what year did you... Or, 19. You graduated in 19, but you started in 17. So, so we've been work. You know, he's he started going to Plymouth at that time, doing the the hybrid classes, and we've had since that time. Uh, plus, Pastor Jonah, who pastors up in in Saint Croix Falls, he graduated in 2000 or in 1993. Same class as Kerry Pickett. Uh, he graduated, so he's he's been he's our pastor up there. With Pastor Jonah counting him, we've had 29 students graduate from Karis. Uh, or, I'm sorry, graduate or are currently first year, just finished up their first year students. So yeah, let's give them a warm round of applause. If you are a Karis grad, please stand. If you're a Karis grad, please stand wherever you're at right now. Just wanted to acknowledge you and... Amen. Praise the Lord. And if you're not, there's always next year. You can always, so you can get signed up. But I just want to uh, introduce and welcome Joni Decker. She is the director of Karis here in Plymouth. Please stand, Joni, and give her a, a warm round of applause. She's a, an amazing woman of God who's doing exactly what she's supposed to be doing. And uh, God, God's working through her in, in wonderful ways. Um, but we are very, very blessed today to have Rick McFarland ministering here today. And, and uh, he has been uh, in pa pastoring for almost 20 years or over. Because you were 16 years in... Sing, 16 years as a singles adults pastor. And then uh, the church now is... I'm sorry, I'm... I'm Eight years at uh, in Colorado Springs. He's pastoring there, but he also teaches many of the core classes at uh, uh, Karis Bible College in in Colorado. And uh, he is just, uh, I, like I said, I think I told you a few weeks ago, I had never heard of him. I had seen his name, but I didn't had never listened to any of his messages. And as we were driving back from California, I listened to two or three, and I was like, "Where have I been? You know, how how have I missed these teachings?" Excellent Bible teacher. Let's give a warm welcome to Rick McFarland. Thank you. Honey, I told you it was okay to be a freak. I'm in the right place. Well, we came in for graduation, and so we have a wonderful school in Minneapolis with Joni. Had a great time. Uh, really love the area, actually having trees and green, and it's pretty arid where I'm at, and it's good to have oxygen. Uh, I don't I don't get it much oxygen so it's good to breathe so praise God and so uh, so good to be with you guys and so while we're here 
Uh, Pastor John was so nice to say, hey, why don't you come to church? So many of you don't know me. It's kind of like a blind date. <laughs> so your pastor said, hey, I, I think this teacher, you might like this teacher. And he told me, hey, there's this congregation you might like. <laughs> it's kind of awkward because you don't know me. So uh, let's, let's find out if we have anything in common. Raise your hand if you love Jesus. I do too. Uh, who likes Andrew Womack? <laughs> Me too. Who likes Pastor John? <laughs> we do too. I mean, we're going to get along great. So just kind of give you a little background of me. I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm an Oklahoman. And uh, so uh, started going to Bobby Andian's church. Bobby Andian is one of Andrew's longest lasting friends. He's on his board. So he'd come every year to our church. And so knew about him. And then 2011, uh, actually, Joanne, can you stand up? It's my lovely wife. By far the better half. You want to get to know anybody? That's the one. I get, a, I get up and talk to everybody, and then they all go talk to her. Uh, so, so anyway, so it's great. We met there, and so uh, came out to Karis Bible College on the Summer Family Bible Conference. And then God just spoke to us in 2011. He wanted to come out and go to Bible school. And I said, Lord, this, do you know that this will be my third Bible school? He says, yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> and I said, am I a slow learner? Yes. <laughs> so God had a purpose for us to come out to Karis Bible College. And I started working in the phone center. And so just started out taking calls, speed counseling. And so one time, one night, I had 67 prayer calls in one evening. And at the end of one of the shift, I answered the phone in Jesus' name. <laughs> That's not how you start. And so, yeah, some of the calls were kind of interesting. I had one lady call up one night, and she said, uh, I, I want you to raise my dead parakeet, Peachy, from the dead. And so I found out the story started actually the night before she called in and wanted Peachy raised from the dead. And the phone center said, minister said, well, where is Peachy? Well, she's buried in the backyard. Well, she said, well, if she comes alive underground, she's going to die again. You better dig her up. So she goes in the back, dig, trying to find her and dig it. But she can't find her, thinks the miracle occurred. But she finally finds Peachy, and that's where I come on the scene with freshly excavated Peachy. And she wants me to raise Peachy from the dead. And she put pressure on me. She said, you got to do this fast because my husband's coming home and he didn't believe in this. I almost told her I don't believe in this. <laughs> but I'm not allowed to do that. So I quoted a verse and said, Peachy, live in Jesus' name. And she hangs, up, hangs the phone up. So I don't know if Peachy came alive or the husband came home. <laughs> so I marked on the report sheet, Peachy lives. Praise God. So just started out doing volunteer, uh, actually volunteering, and then got hired in the phone center, and then uh, took over the correspondence program for those taking online courses. I would be grading great papers, and if I graded your paper poorly, I'm sorry about that. And so I grade papers for about a year, and then Greg Moore, uh, who was the director at the, or the dean of education at the time, invited me at the end of my third year and asked if I would take over the ministry school as a ministry school coordinator, and also to uh, be assistant dean of education. So I served under Greg for about seven years. So he's just was here, right? 
And so he's a great friend. He's on our, he goes to our church. He's on our apostolic board. And so our church is at River Rock Church. The saints welcome you and greet you and, and love you guys. And so actually Barry Bennett, one of our instructors, is ministering for me there. So they're taken care of. And so are you ready for the word? Amen. All right, finally. All right, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse 1. We're going to get through verse 9. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 1 through verse 9. It says, Therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Eudia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of the fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray over our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God that is filled with nourishment. We're going to open our heart and receive it by faith today. Holy Spirit, we call upon you as the divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person that's listening. Open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what you're saying. Father, I thank you that you cause every person to walk away with exactly what they need. And only you can do this miracle. And I believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I want to talk about overcoming troubles. Raise your hand if you've ever had a trouble or are in a trouble right now. Good. I was concerned that Minnesota, this was not going to work for Minnesota. But I'm glad you're the right people for this message. Triumphing over troubles. And so I want to talk about out of these verses, there's five fundamentals that if you'll put these five fundamentals into practice, you're going to overcome any trouble, any trial. If it's a people problem, if it's a situation problem, you're going to overcome those through five fundamentals. Just the fundamentals in life that really brings us over. In a football game in the National Football League and you have the Super Bowl winners, you know, those that win the championship aren't the ones that win an entire season on a trick play. It's the ones that do the fundamentals the best over the entire year. And so the fundamentals is what's really important. And there was a football coach called Vince Lombardi. Pretty close to here, probably not. Sorry, am I causing problems here? Oh, I'm okay. Oh, oh. It's kind of like the Sadducees and Pharisees. Kind of yeah. I won't say which one. I don't. <laughs> but Vince Lombardi, he would have, he'd win a championship in the, the, whether he'd won a Super Bowl or a championship. The, in, tra- in spring training, he would call his guys around and he would have all pros and he would have the MVP of the league there. But, but didn't care. Every year he would, he would, say, he'd get, he would get all the guys around him and he'd hold out a football. He said, gentlemen, this is a football. And he would start with the fundamentals. And in the Christian walk, usually what's happening is we're not doing the fundamentals. We think it's some deep, dark secret that we don't know that's helped keeping us from victory in our life, and it's just a fundamental. So we're going to talk about five fundamentals today, if you want to write these down. 
The, the five fundamentals we found in the first nine verses, first of all, when you have a problem in your life, first of all, you need to focus on the love of God. Now, I'm going to have, at our church, please help me feel welcome, because in our church, I have, I have interaction. You know, so you may be asked to repeat something, get to know the person next to you, you might be talking to them. So change places if you don't like them. But uh, so, so repeat after me, focus on the love of God. The second one is always take the servant's role. The third one is involve God in prayer. The fourth one is take control of your thought life. Now you're not going to like all of these, but take control of your thought life. And then lastly, handle your business. Actually, like handle your business. <laughs> so, so I have good news for you. You're either coming out of a problem or going into one. Because life's full of problems. It's like the ocean where you have the waves come in. You have one problem, but then it's all peaceful, but then there's another one coming. And so that's life. And so you got to learn how to deal with problems because you're either in one or going to go into one. And you have two areas where you have problems. You have problems with people. And you have problems with circumstances. A lot of times the circumstances are caused by people. Tell someone you may be the cause of your problem. Maybe. I don't. Or your problem's sitting next to you, but don't look. Don't look. Marital, I don't want any marital counseling situations that needs to be Pastor John needs to take care of. There you go. I love your, I love your pastor's vision. Of what of reaching this and the outreach you guys do and the heart for churches and, and and it's amazing. There's there's great growth coming to this body. Amen. 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 Philippians four, look at verse one. Therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. The first thing you need to realize when you come into a problem is you need to focus on the love of God. This verse talks five terms of endearment. Paul says. Uh, longed for, or first beloved, longed for, joy, crown, beloved. And so those are five terms of endearment. When you're going through a problem, the Lord wants you to know He loves you. He cares for you. And so when you have a problem, horizontally, you need to go vertical. You need to focus on the love of God, get your eyes on Jesus, focus on His love for you because you're His beloved. Well, how, how, how am I going to be His beloved? Be loved. Well, how am, I, how am I going to be loved? Well, uh, let me tell you, get in this room. You are in this room. You are loved. Just relax. Tell someone to take a chill pill. You're loved. Be loved. He loves you. And, and uh, you're, when you have the love of God, you realize God's for you. God's for you. Now, he might not agree with you, but he's for you. And so look in Romans 8, look at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? What things? Problems. If God is for us, who can be against us? Actually, the Greek language says, since God is for us, who will be against us? God's for you. And so he loves you. And the love of God has several things it does for you when you receive the love of God in the midst of your problem is first of all, it has a calming effect. Calming effect. 
You know, when you're a kid and you skinned your knee and you ran to mom, I ran to dad, dad just kind of, you know, grabbed, he said, does that hurt? You know, no, but mom actually cared, right? So look at Zephaniah 3.17. When you focus on the love of God, something's going to happen in the midst of your trial. Zephaniah, that's where your pages are stuck together. <laughs> you can get to heaven one day and Zephaniah can say, did you read my book? So Zephaniah is a little left of the Italian prophet Malachi. So if you get there, back up. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one. See, he's the mighty one. He wants to bring you through. The mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Some of you need to be quieted. Because inside, there's a storm on the outside, but the storm has gotten on the inside. And the Lord wants to calm your situation. The love of God brings stability in your life. Insecure people are not established in the love of God for them. The more you understand how God, much God loves you, the more stable and secure you're going to be as a person. The love of God also brings you courage, for love casts out and a lot of times when, and when you have a people problem, you need to deal and address that person that has the problem. See, Jesus told us what to do when you have a people problem. What do you do when you have a people problem? In Matthew 18, you go to them. Do you go to leadership? Go to your friends? No, you go to them. Do you know how often people don't do that? You know why they don't do that? Because there's a spirit in the body of Christ that's plagued the church for years. It's called the chicken spirit. And they're afraid to, it's afraid to deal with stuff. But guess what? The love of God will cast out fear. And so look at 2 Timothy 1.7. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the chicken spirit. Oh, I'm sorry. I have a clueless translation that pops up sometimes. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So when you have a problem, the number one thing is you need to get in the presence of God and receive his love. It will quiet you. It'll stabilize you. It'll cast fear out. But then fundamental two, go down to Philippians 4.2. It says, I implore Eudia and I implore Syntyche, be of the same mind in the Lord. And so Paul brings out, there's two ladies in the church having a fight. Such a fight that it makes scripture. How would you like to have a fight with someone here in the church and it makes scripture? One day I'm going to get into heaven and I'll meet some lady and I'll say, Hi, who are you? I'm Syntyche. Syntyche. That's me. Oh, how did that turn out? <laughs> be in the same mind. Why, why does he say be of the same mind in the Lord? Because they weren't. They're having an argument. And they're having friction. Well, you kind of know them by just the meaning of their names what happened. Eudia means prosperous, and Syntyche means pleasant acquaintance. So you have a business lady that's task-oriented. You have a socialite. They're working together in the church, and all of a sudden, they're having a cat fight in the church. 
And so they're fighting, but Paul says, be of the same mind in the Lord. What mind are we to have? Well, usually when we're arguing with someone, it says that my way is it your way. Is the way I'm thinking or you're thinking? No, actually, it's rarely uh, either. It's what the Lord thinks. You need to get the mind of the Lord. You need to get out of your mind and get into the mind of the Lord. Ask someone, are you out of your mind? No, they'll really do that. Are you out of your mind? You need to be out of your mind. You need to be in the mind of the Lord. In your situation, you need to find out what does God think about it. In that strife you're having with that person, am I right, Lord, or is she right? Is he right? No, no. What? What is the? Because the Lord's right. I said it yesterday. It's not King. It's not uh, Burger King where you have it your way. No, it's you get it Yahweh. There's times me and my wife have an intense fellowship. We don't argue. We have intense fellowship. And I'll go to the Lord and say, Lord, this woman thou hast given me. Have, she, have you heard this? He goes, yeah, I'm aware. And, but he's not interested in talking about her. He wants to talk about me. And it's like, stop being a jerk. Oh. So I come out and say, honey, I was a jerk. You're right, but I forgive you. <laughs> so we need to be of the same mind. What's the mind? It's a servant mindset. A servant mindset. In the midst of your trial, in the middle of trouble with people, you need to get, uh, take on a servant mindset. Well, first of all, what's that mean? You mean I just bow down to everybody and run over me? No, no. Hold on. Look at Philippians 2.5. Philippians 2, 5 says, let this mind be in you. What mind? That was in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant. And coming in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of men, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. What is a, the hallmark of a servant? Humility. You need a dose of humility. You're welcome. Because guess what? You know what? I'm not really talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor. Me and you's like this. We need humility in the midst. So, so, so do you want a wormhole to humility? Agree with God. What does he think about it? Agree with him. And you'll find humility. And so the servant mindset is a, is a humility, and it's just agreeing with what God thinks about the situation. So you need the mind of the Lord in your situation. But first of all, receive his love. Well, if I go to God's presence, he's just going to correct me. No, he's going to hug you. Then he'll correct you. And so you need to take the servant's role with, and then take that with people. Look at Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord. How often? How often? Always. We don't believe that. You know why I know that? Because Paul says, oh, by the way, I mean it. Again, I say rejoice. You're telling me to rejoice in my problem? No, I'm not telling you to rejoice about your problem. I'm saying rejoice in the Lord. You know, there's always something about Jesus you can rejoice in. See, it's a, it's a focus problem. It's a paradigm shift. You need to get your eyes on Jesus. If you know anything about me, my, one of my main focuses of my ministry is 
is there's three steps to the victorious Christian life. The first one, and so write it down. There's three, very important, write them down. Okay, the first one, look at Jesus. Okay, it gets more complicated. Number two, keep looking at Jesus. Number three, keep on looking at Jesus. Do you need 12? Get your eyes. It's a focus problem, guys, in our life. Focus on Jesus. Rejoice in Him. Then verse 5 says, let your gentleness, that, no, no, humility. Let your humility be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Well, I know, Pastor, He's coming back. That's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying the Lord's at hand to solve your problem if you'll turn it over to Him. If you'll rejoice in Him, get your problem over in Him, He is at hand and He wants to solve your situation. Well, no, Pastor, I'm going to handle my situation. That person that sent that, sent that tweet, I'll handle it, Lord. No, you're about to do a piece of stupid. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. You don't have much to give. Because they're going to give a piece of mind back and it's going to escalate. You're going to muddy the situation. You need to hand it over to the Lord. Tell someone, hand it over to the Lord. When you're upset, don't send the text. Don't send that email. Amen. You might need that this week. Look at the next one. That's, the first one is, is uh, receive the love of God. The second one, what, what was the second one? Always take the servant's role. The third one is involve God in prayer. Does it come to that? Look at Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for some things, but in everything... Oh, I'm sorry, clueless translation popped up. Be anxious for nothing. You know, I did a, a deep study in the Greek language on the word nothing, and it means nothing. <laughs> You're welcome. You don't have to do that. It means nothing. There's no wiggle room with the word nothing. Well, what, I, surely if I got a cancer diagnosis, nothing. What about my spouse going crazy? Nothing. How about my kids off the road? Nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Now, if he put a period there, that would be impossible to do. Have you ever tried to stop thinking about something? Okay, let's practice. Don't think pink elephant. Whatever you do, don't think pink. Don't think elephant. Stop it. No, pink elephant. You can't stop thinking, stop trying to think about a pink elephant. The only way you can get set free from the pink elephant is to think about the blue gorilla. The blue gorilla will set you free from the pink elephant just like that. It's called replacement. Paul didn't put a period there. He said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And what will happen if you'll do this? The peace of God where surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So turn your cares into prayers. Say that, I'm going to turn my cares into prayers. I'm going to get my focus on the Lord. Instead of worrying about it, I'm going to pray about it. You know you can't worry in faith. I'm now Jesus, I'm trusting you in Jesus' name to worry. You know what? You've never been in faith when you worry. 
you know, actually, you, we need to take worry more serious than it is. It's a sin problem. Pastor, you come to bring condemnation? No, no. I'm trying to help somebody. A worry problem is a sin problem. Oh, well, why is that, Pastor? Because whatever's not a faith is sin. Whatever's not a faith is sin. You've never been in faith when you've been worrying. If you have your problem, God does not have your problem. God wants to take care of your situation, but he's not going to have a joint venture with you. Well, I'll give the Lord some of it and I'll take, the, I'll take some of it. No, no, no. It's either you have all of it or he has none of it or he has all of it and you have none of it. Are you ready to, to let him take care of it? Because guess what? Last time I checked, he's smarter than you. <laughs> Perish the thought. I'm sorry, Pastor. Now, we have a peanut for a brain. Now, it's getting roasted. <laughs> That's why Karis Bible College, you get your peanut roasted. But you know what? God knows everything. He's made one billion galaxies with a hundred billion stars in every one of them and knows them all by name. And by the way, he died for you and loves you. He cares about your problem, knows what to do about it, and is willing to do something about it. But he can't if you have it. You're going to have to let go of it. I love 1 Peter 5, 7 in the Amplified because it gets worse in the Amplified. Look at 1 Peter 5, 7 in the Amplified Classic. I don't know if you have that, but it says, Casting all of your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on him, for he cares about you with the deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Well, Pastor, if I don't care about my problem, who will? God. He cares for you with the deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. He loves you. And so you need to be forceful with your worries and cares, though. Have you ever went into prayer and prayed about something, walked out and still worried about it? You weren't serious enough with that problem. You need to get serious with that problem. It says casting all your cares. Look at the word casting. It's not a fishing term. What do you do when you cast it out? Don't reel them back in. No, no, no. This is not a fishing term. This is a WWE term. This, this word means to slam. Body slam your worries on the Lord. Why do you have to be so forceful with them? Because they're sticky. You ever walk out of the bathroom and you have the tissue in the... No, you need to body slam that worry over on the Lord and leave it there and walk out with it. And the devil's going to bring it back up to you. And what do you need to say? Mr. Devil, if you want to talk about that problem, you need to go talk to God about it. You know, last time it didn't work out well for him. <laughs> He's not interested. I'm talking about you need to be serious about this worry issue. God wants to do some major miracles in this room today. My mom called me one day crying. She's a new believer. And she was, uh, she, I said, Mom, you're going to have to stop crying. I can't understand what you're saying. So finally she calmed down. She said, oh, son, I haven't told you, but they've had some layoffs at my work. And they, they were going to have another one next week. And uh, I've been so worried about it. And so I was leaving work. It was, she just called me because it just happened. She was on her way home. 
she had a splitting headache. It was just weighing upon her about her job, losing her job. And she said, son, I was just driving along. And finally, I just looked up and I said, Lord, I can't take this anymore. You take it. And when that happened, she said that something in the pit of her stomach started rising up, went all the way up through her head and, that, and went out of her head and the headache left and the peace came down. Never lost her job, got promoted. If God doesn't have your problem, you have it. And it says right here, if you want the peace of God that surpasses all understanding in your situation, then you need to do what Philippians 4, 6 says. Don't be anxious for anything, but by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. Prayer is communion with God. Supplication is definite requests, but you need to add thanksgiving with it. And so why would you need to add thanksgiving to your prayer? What is that a sign of when you thank somebody? Has anyone ever walked up to you out of the blue and said, thank you? For what? What did I do? See, thanksgiving is a sign of faith that someone's done something. So when you pray and you, and you give them supplication, supplications, definite requests, we're too vague in prayer, specifically believe God and then thank him for it. He has it and you don't. And if you'll do that, you'll get the peace of God that passes all understanding. You know, one of the best ways to satisfy all of Philippians 4, 6 is praying in tongues. We pray in tongues here, right? All right. Good. Clarify that. The, 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 greatest, uh, the greatest blessing is not coming to a church, it's getting to come back. So. The, one of the best ways to, fu to fulfill Philippians 4, 6 is praying in tongues. Let me prove that to you. Look in, uh, look in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Because you're going to have to have prayer. And the Greek word for prayer in Philippians 4, 6 is prosuke. So look in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. It says, if I pray, prosuke, in a tongue... My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So that's one thing we satisfy. We can prosuke in the spirit when we pray in tongues. Then we have Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. The Greek word supplication is deasis. We found in Philippians 4.6, we find it here. It says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Now I'm going to open my heart up and tell you, I'm telling myself, but I'm going to close it because I don't know all of you guys. One time I said, I said, Lord, everyone tells me praying in tongues is a doorway to the power of God in their life, but I'm going to be honest, Lord, I just don't get it. I pray in tongues, but I don't feel the power. And, and so what's going on? And the Lord says, because you don't do it enough. You know, the divine protocol to the presence of God is praise and thanksgiving. Look at... Uh, Look at, uh, at uh, Psalms 100, verse 4. Psalms 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. See, that's the divine protocol to the presence of God. Not grumbling, murmuring, and complaining. 
It's thanks and praise. And so the Holy Spirit knows the divine protocol to the presence of God. So when you start praying in tongues, he'll immediately lead you into worshiping him and starting thanking him. Matter of fact, we know that we thank God praying in tongues because when that's 1 Corinthians 14, 17, for indeed you give thanks well when you pray in tongues. So you're, you're, you're communing with the Lord, you're doing supplications in the spirit, and you're also giving thanks well. And so I said, Lord, I'm just not experiencing the power like I should. He says, you're not doing it enough. You're not doing it long enough. Because all you're doing is you're entering into the very doorway of tongues and you're thanking and praising me, but you're not getting into the deeper realms of tongues where you get into intercessions and supplications in the spirit. You know what I'm talking about when you've really prayed in tongues for a while and your prayer language changes and gets into Chinese. Chang, chang, chung, chi. Oh, business is being transacted. <laughs> I've never gone an entire hour praying in tongues that I didn't walk out with just a solid peace on the inside and a peace that's all over me. Some of you need to start praying in the Spirit more. So that's the third one. Uh, involve God in prayer. The next one is take control of your thought life. Because after you leave your prayer closet, if you don't control what you think on, your problem will come back. And that what that person, what Brother Flip-A-Lip and Sister Bucketmouth said will start coming back and your emotions get kicked in and you're going to get back into that same whirly dervish. So what do you need to do? You need to take control of your thought life. Uh-oh, has it come to that? Look at Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Do you know God created you to be a meditator? Not a commentator. You're a meditator. You meditate on something all the time. Well, sometimes us guys, we get into an empty box. <laughs> but not very often. But we're thinking about something all the time. But what are we thinking about? Well, you need a filter in your thought life. You need to have a disciplined mind where only the thoughts that come through the eight filters of this verse. Whatever things are true, just, noble, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous, praiseworthy. Well, it's true what they said about me. Well, hold on. Is it noble? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it a good report? No, it has to make it through the eight filters. You know the only thing that makes it through the eight filters is Jesus. And what belongs to him, what's true in the spirit. You know, I, this is going to kind of date how old I am. When I grew up, we had a, we had a, a commercial for V8 vegetable juice. <laughs> and they always had a rundown guy that would just barely make it through. And all of a sudden it hit him. I should have had a V8. I see so many Christians running around. They're just down. They're bitter and they're down and depressed. And, and it's like, you know what? You need a 4-8. A Philippians 4-8. Tell someone you need a Philippians 4-8. It'll change your attitude. And, and so you need to control your mind. And so what worry is, worry is basically worrying about the future that's uncertain. 
But the Lord wants you to focus on what is certain. Let me say that again. Worry is always future and it's always uncertain. But God wants you to focus on what is certain. I want you to look at this verse again. It says, whatever, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, that are just, are pure, are lovely, are of a good report, is a virtue, is anything praiseworthy. Focus of what is true, not on what may or may not be true, and you're going to see a difference in your attitude. Because really it's an attitude problem. Tell someone you may have a tood problem. Finally, handle your business. Handle your business. Philippians 4.9 The things which you've learned, received, heard, and saw in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, according to this verse, it takes four times the input of the word to output the word. Look at it. The things you've learned, received, heard, and saw do. And so the word, this is a good church. I know you're getting the word of God awesome in this church. And so you need to do what you've been taught. And in the middle of your trouble and trial that the enemy's brought to you, Really, that trial is to, to test what you know. I'm going to make a statement on this. The devil never comes and tries you on something you don't know. The Lord will not allow you to be tested above what you're able. He's always going to test you on what you know. Why? Well, look at, we're almost done. I see the airport in sight. Don't unbuckle. Mark chapter 4, look at verse 15. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear Satan comes immediately with problems, trials, tests, and temptations, and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. He doesn't mind you. He doesn't like the word in you. He wants to take out. But it's going to test you on what you know. So when you're in a trial and a test, you need to go back. What, have I, what do I know in the situation? Because the devil wants to get you all flustered, get you upset, get you don't even know what's going on. But the, go back, what was the last thing the Lord told me? What was the sermon pastor just preached? Because the devil's after it. What was I just taught that he's after? Do what you know. And guess what? You have the Holy Spirit to help you. I'm so thankful for a helper. That's why he gave my wife to me. It's not good that man be alone. For he'll give a helper. Thank you, honey. Well, you not only have a natural helper, but you have a spiritual helper called the Holy Spirit. I want you to see the role of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit. Look at the word helper. It's the Greek word paraclete. Not parakeet. Paraclete. Paraclete means one called alongside to help. One called alongside to help. Let me make a statement. I'm going to suck the air out of the room, but I'll put it back. <gasps> you know the Holy Spirit helps some Christians a whole lot more than others? Well, he's not a respecter of persons, is he? No. There are some Christians that depend on the Holy Spirit much more than, than other Christians. And so you must realize that you need to tell someone on one side of you, you need help. <laughs> now tell the other person on the other side, you really need help.
but he's called alongside to help you. you he's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way in. You invite him in and he's going to help you with so many things. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. So there's some things that he needs to teach you. But there's another thing, as he loves to do, is he brings to your remembrance all things he has said to you. So in your trial, go to the Holy Spirit. I need you to help me. Remind me of what I know, what's again, what, what this trial is about. And do what you know. Well, Pastor, I haven't got any, I haven't heard from headquarters in a while. Well, are you doing what you heard last? Go back. What did he say to do? And are you doing it? And if you, and if you are doing it and you haven't heard anything, then keep doing it until he gives you the next thing. Do what you know to do. So this is what you've been waiting for in conclusion. <laughs> it's only my first one though. No, no, I'm sorry. Bad pastor. In conclusion, focus on the love of God for you. That starts with the letter F. Always take the servant's role. That starts with the letter A. Include God in prayer. That starts with the letter I. Take control of your thought life. That starts with the letter T. Then H, handle your business. H, what does that spell? Faith. 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 Trust God. Trust God. Bow your heads. You say, Pastor, I, I'm in a trial right now. And I've been, I realized today I've been worrying about it. And I have it in my hands, and God doesn't fully have it. I haven't body slammed it over on God. But I realize today that He's at hand. He wants to solve my problem, but He's got to get it. He has to have it. And if you say, you know, that's me today. I'm going to cast my worry, my problem, my situation, that person. I'm going to put it over in God's hands once and for all, and I'm going to walk away, and I'm going to let and thank Him that He's going to take it. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Now, if I was like Andrew, I'd say, now, if, if uh, you don't stand, this won't work for you because you're bootlegging the prayer. But I'm not that, I'm not like that. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to walk up and see Jesus looking at you. What's the expression on his face? For some people, it's disappointment. Mild irritation. Discuss if that's that's a totally wrong vision of God. If you don't see him smiling with love in his eyes, you don't have the right vision of him. Ask ask the Lord for the proper vision of him. But I want you to see that problem that you have with that person, with that situation, that health, that finances, the family. I want you to see I want you to give it to the Lord and see him take it. Then, then I want you to thank him for it. Lord, I thank you that you have this right now. I give it to you. And I trust you to take care of this in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord. And, then, and then I want you to hug him and walk away. Walk away. Now the devil's going to try to come back and bring that back to you. And you're going to have to be forceful with it. Nope, God's got it. I refuse to take it again. And then control your thought life. Father, I thank you that you've taken these problems. Lord, I thank you angels are being released right now. I thank you that healings are being released right now in the name of Jesus. Fear and anxiety is being taken away. And I, I release peace.
peace over your heart and mind right now. I release healing in your body right now in Jesus' name. I release finances in the name of Jesus. There's been a situation, a financial situation, where it's been like a bolt that's been rusted. And you've tried and tried to break it free, but the Spirit of God's broken it free right now. Busted it free. It's free. Angels are being released on the going ascending and descending, bringing answers, bringing resources. Father, I thank you right now. Mighty things are happening in people's lives. Lord, I thank you that marriage is being restored. Kids are coming back. Yes. You're going to hear from children very soon. You haven't heard from grandchildren. You haven't heard from very soon. I thank you that angels are on their case. I thank you that you're working, Father, in the name of Jesus. I'm speaking of a financial miracle for someone in this room. This week, this week, financial miracle. Because the Lord has it. He loves the financial situation. He loves working financial things. He, he, he's lo you know what? Your father is loaded. He, he paves his streets with gold. And your elder brother's a Jew. You're loaded. You don't have a money problem. You have a revelation problem. Father, I thank you that you were releasing finance above and beyond. Amazing. Amazing. Lord, I speak prosperity of this church like never before. I thank you, Father. They're going to have to go to another service. I don't know if pastors are wanting that, like having another kid. But Lord, I thank you that you have growth in this place. Lord, I thank you for everything you're doing in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor? Good. Amen. Amen. So uh, you are always welcome back. Even now, we'd love to have you come back again. Please do. But I do need to clarify one theological point, and not really make it different. It's just to enhance it. You said at the very beginning that uh, you know the Packers and the Vikings are like the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I do know what they are. Uh, the Packers are, are the Pharisees. Just so you know. <laughs> Just so you know, the Packers are because the Vikings have never won a Super Bowl, so we're sad, you see. Yeah, yeah. All right. Praise the Lord. But we're so glad. Thank you so much for being here. And Joni, thank you again for everything. And praise the Lord. Let's all stand. We'll pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness, for your love for us. Thank you for all the joy, all the life that you have brought into our lives. And we thank you, Father, as, as uh, Rick and Joanne are headed back home. We pray for safe travels. We thank you that they are blessed, Father. We, 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 we pray a blessing on them for all that they have sowed into us and into the body of Christ and continue to do. We thank you for them and we, we bless their week and their travel. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.